This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, and you can follow me at Statsman22. And AJ Scholes is alongside from Madison, Wisconsin, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. And uh, partner, I'm taking a beating watching my hockey team. They're uh, <laughs> struggling with injuries and indifferent play, and... Uh, the fan base here is absolutely beside itself, and uh, I know your club is missing the, the rudder with uh, City, Sydney Crosby out for the next few weeks. We've got to cope with uh, issues on our respective teams, but it gives me the notion of putting up a dollar bet that I think our fans, our listeners will find rather interesting. I'm saying to you, let's do a bet. Leafs versus Penguins, straight up points. Your team slaughtered mine on Saturday night, so I've got to think you're feeling good about that bet, but I, I think my team's reached the, as, as low as they can and i see a a big comeback coming so are you taking it or not i will take that i will take that straight up uh doubling down on the penguins point totals here i've got uh, a a couple other bets i I got a lunch bet on penguin sabers with me uh giving a few points to the the sabers fan here so I'll, i'll double down uh i think uh i'm probably gonna need pittsburgh to be i'm gonna conservatively say 95 to win both bets um probably closer to 100 which i think is by like not guaranteed at all so i feel good about it but it's definitely uh more uh, more my heart than my head taking both these bets <laughs> well that's why i thought i'd catch you at this week moment and i mean i'm not dealing from a position of strength either with the decimated uh, club that i'm talking about uh, both decimated on the ice and in underneath the sweater in the chest area there, there's a little bit of heart missing from the leafs that i see right now we'll get into both clubs a little bit later but aj i know you want to give our listeners a their weekly reminder yeah i thought for a minute there paul i thought we were just going to roll into a one hour maple leafs podcast uh you know so <laughs> if any of our listeners out there would like to uh you know listen to uh, us just talk leafs we could uh, certainly do that let us know on twitter uh and also let us know if you have any other questions 
uh, about fantasy hockey, about your your DFS lineups, your season long lineups. Uh, if you have questions about the Maple Leafs, about the Penguins, about your favorite team, uh, just tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman 22. All right. And with that, we'll roll right into our weekly look at the 31 teams. There's lots of changes every week, it seems, with all the clubs that we talk about, AJ, and uh, this week is no exception. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, they are 10-9-2. and two. I'm surprised that they that they even have 10 wins in the bank already this season, and they played uh, yesterday as well. Uh, Hampus Lindholm is out with an undisclosed injury partner, still on the IR with no timetable for his return. He had five points, including two goals in his last five games, but on, uh, only seven shots on goal there. I, I was looking at this guy to be a linchpin on the blue line, but uh, while he's sidelined, Michael Delzato has been reinventing himself as a more physical and responsible D-man. That's quite a departure from a guy who was all offense earlier on in his career. So he's producing pretty good steady points in DFS with his blocks, and uh, plus-minus is up too, as well as shots on goal. So not a bad player if you're looking for help. He plays first-line minutes on a left wing, left defense, rather. Uh, Rickard Raquel. Another guy who's finding the points scoring with regularity. Five points in his last five games for his best stretch of the season as left wing on the second line. Max Jones moved up to the right wing on the first line. He's picked up points in three of the last four games that he's played too. So some sneaky good DFS value that I'm looking at on the Ducks roster. Yeah, absolutely. They are uh, starting to to look a little bit better. So obviously, you know, you got to pick your spots, uh, you know, strategically. Uh, If you were high on Troy Terry at the start of the season, he served as a healthy scratch last night. I don't think that's going to be a long-term change, um, but his chances of of reclaiming a top six role are probably, uh, you know, pretty minimal at this point, but I think he'll be back in the lineup. I really like Andre Case as a potential guy that could move up uh, you know, he's he dealt with a little bit of injuries the last couple of games, hasn't really had a chance to get rolling. Uh, he hasn't scored a goal since October 10th. That's his only goal of the season. Um, but I do think as he kind of gets over this injury, starts recovering, could be a guy uh, to, to maybe move into a top six uh, responsibility. AJ, the team that's playing in the desert there next to Las Vegas in Arizona, they've been overshadowed by the newest NHL franchise, but they're playing really good hockey right now. They're 4-1 and one in their last five games. They have got a shutout win last night, anti-Ranta in goal for them for that one. So they're really on a, on a nice streak. Connor Garland has been a guy that has been hard not to notice. He got another goal last night. He's playing with a ton of grit. Uh, he had a couple of goals last week. I like this guy's style. If uh, Lee fans will remember a guy like Darcy Tucker, uh, this guy's playing second-line minutes on the right side. It reminds me very much of the Leafs' former agitator uh, who who plays a physical game, gets involved that way, and scores plenty of goals for this team. Uh, he's a pretty, uh, pretty nice value in DFS play because I think he's very, been very undervalued consistently despite the fact that he's producing on a regular basis. And your old pal and mine, Phil Kessel, goalless in his last eight games only three assists in that stretch before last night's game uh phil must like the weather there but uh, the numbers aren't reflecting right now in in terms of the ability that this guy has on a nightly basis to produce he's not doing it right now for them and if he gets rolling that's really going to be great news for the the yotes who are already on fire as a team i like the way they spread the offense around on on three productive lines here too so there is uh it's very tough to defend this offense that they've stretched out and it helps that michael grabner has uh, had a nice stretch of games with with a with a point in each one making a bid for more playing time
time among that top six particularly and this guy is is a shoot first type of player so if he gets that extra few minutes he could be another nice dfs value I got to be honest, I'm surprised how well this team uh, continues to do because of Phil Kessel's struggles. You know, you you assume he's going to play 82 games because he has every year since 2009. That was the last season he didn't play 82 games. But you look at his uh, goal pace right now. He's on pace for just over 11 goals on the year. Um, That's really uh, that would be his if he hit 11. That would be his worst goal total since his rookie season in 26, uh, 2006. Uh, that's certainly not what they were expecting when they brought him over there, which is why I'm surprised they're still doing well without him producing. You did mention he did have three assists in, in the last three games. That's certainly uh, going to help them. But, you know, only only five power play points at this point, only 13 overall in 22 games. This is a guy that since, you know, at last three years uh, in Pittsburgh hit the 70-point the mark each year, hit the 80-point mark in the last two seasons, and really it just doesn't seem to be working uh, quite, uh, quite right in uh, Arizona for Phil the Thrill. And in Boston, this team has hit the skids. Uh, they've been as ineffective uh, in getting results in the last little while as they have in, 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 uh, in the last few years. Uh, really a steady team that kind of hit, uh, hit the shoreline here, it looks like. Uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, is out with an injury. He missed on Saturday with a lower body hurt. He should return tonight, but there is some doubt. So uh, it might not be a good night to go all in on the Bruins' first line, as we might be inclined every week when we do our DFS uh, pod part part of the pod. Uh, Tory Krug is also sidelined. He was actually placed on the IR on Saturday, but uh, could actually return tonight because they have the ability to go retroactive the last time he played. So keep an eye out for that situation as well. If you want to go deep on the Boston side, you likely want him as part of your uh, stack. Jake DeBrusque uh, with a lawyer, lower body injury is set to return tonight. Uh, he'll resume his spot on the left wing on the second line. This guy I thought could be poised for a bit of a breakout year if he could stay healthy, but he's had some injury issues uh, throughout the early part of his career just because he plays such a physical game so the risk is is there attached to him the venerable Zdeno Chara playing over 20 minutes a game picking up points in three of the last four tilts that he's played in looks just like a a 25 year old version of himself he's just so steady and really smart on the ice so he doesn't have to race around because he has that reach of an octopus and uh, and right now the offensive side of his game is is, uh, really on full display another bit of good news David Krejci settled in as the second line center as we knew he was going to but he had the injury plagued start he's got eight points in his last seven games played so while there is some some trouble in the injury board uh, there are some players who are doing their part to be the steadying influences here well for me I think I'm still uh, gonna trend towards Boston tonight and we'll obviously talk more of that later but that's you know uh, I think the thing with them is they can still produce even if Bergeron doesn't play. I'm hoping he will. Um, I, I'm going to anticipate he will. He's a game time call officially tonight. I will update on, on Tory Krug. He is not playing tonight. Uh, so he is definitely out uh, for one more game for them. So you'll see uh, Connor Clifton and Uro Vakanainen uh, making up that third pairing. Uh, it looks like uh, Vakanainen coming up from Providence and playing over Steve Camper on that third group. But uh, 
Yeah, I think even if Bergeron doesn't play, you have to consider Krejci as as a DFS option tonight with Marshawn and Pasternak out. Look at you tackling that multi-syllable Finnish name with no problem at all. That was beautiful. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres, one of the teams that you'll be watching very closely the rest of the year now that you have that bet on. They are struggling a little bit too, AJ. They're 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three starts. Uh, indicative of, of the way things are slowing is uh, Marcus Johansson. He cooled off after a slow start. He's only got three assists in his last seven games. You'll recall that I was a little skeptical about the experiment of putting him on uh, in the lineup as a center. He's played predominantly in the middle of the ice this year where he was a winger before. He's out right now on the IR with an upper body injury. That's caused a little bit of line shuffling. Uh, air, uh, but up top, uh, Jack Eichel had five goals last week, including a four spot in one game that included an empty netter. Rasmus Dahlin is a guy, also a very high rec- name recognition type in this roster. His product productivity has slowed uh, a bit, only three assists and 13 shots on goal in his last 10 games. Much more is expected of him, and uh, he needs to pick it up in order for this team to be relevant uh, in the second half of the season and uh, for the rest of this year, actually, in the rest of the second half. Carter Hutton struggling in net, allowing 13 goals against in his last three games played. This is another indication that things are starting to go south here, and the Sabres have to arrest this uh, in a very competitive Atlantic division. Well, here's part of the problem for Buffalo right now is, you know, you mentioned Marcus Johansson. You've got Johan Larson is out. Tage Thompson, a, a recall from the minors, is out. Spoke is out. Kyle Oposo suffered another concussion. You have to wonder in his case if this potentially could be season ending or career ending, really, given the issues he's had over his, uh, you know, over his career with concussions. So right now they have, uh, you know, three and two thirds lines of forwards likely going to have to dress seven defensemen tonight because you look down into their AHL affiliate guys that potentially would get called up like Scott Wilson, CJ Smith, Remy Ellie, they're all hurt in the minors. So this team organizationally is really banged up. I think really your only possible candidate to get a call up is Jean Sebastian D. Uh, he maybe could get call up, but at this point, I think they're going to have to roll with seven defensemen, which isn't a great look. However, they are playing Minnesota tonight. So still uh, possible chances to pick your spot and, and give them a look in DFS. Okay. Now you're forcing me to re- rename the show and, and call it an NHL and AHL podcast with injury updates there. <laughs> That's awesome, partner. Uh, the Calgary Flames, they're on a four-game loser right now, uh, the worst stretch of their season. The team scored one goal, allowing 12 last week and three lopsided losses. Dylan Dubé was called up after producing 13 points in 13 games played at Stockton. It's clear why he's there to boost the sagging offense if possible. I thought things couldn't get worse for Milan Lucic, uh, AJ. Five more pointless games since he's come off a suspension. Now only three points in 21 games played this season. He's got to be wondering where the heck did all my good fortune go and the ability to produce scoring. uh, It it just evaporated from this guy. It's shocking to see what's happened here. Uh, Cam Talbot is another guy who has come well off the, the career year he enjoyed a couple of seasons ago. He's barely keeping place with David Riddich in the Nets. He's lost his last three starts, allowing 12 goals against for his part. So a couple of veterans here really not pulling their weight in Calgary, and it's starting to drag the rest of the team down a little bit. Well, you have to wonder, really, like, how long are they going to let Milan Lucic <laughs> take up a spot on this this roster? Now, yeah. moving him is is hard uh, with that cap hit. You know, it's, it's pretty significant, 5, uh, 5.25 million. But, you know, at the end of the day, do you just – 
take the hit and consider burying it in the minors for at least the rest of the year and bring in somebody that maybe uh, could provide, you know, a little bit of an upside or something. You know, they've had a couple of guys that, that they've used over the years. Uh, Zach Ronaldo, I think, would be a good candidate. Buddy Robinson, Elaine Queen, uh, any one of those guys, I think, could be under consideration. But they're stuck with Lucic. But at some point, you know, we saw this happen uh, in New Jersey yesterday. We'll talk about that more. But they put a veteran guy on waivers. They're going to eat the cap hit and move him to the minors. And I think at some point you have to consider doing that with Milan Lucic. Maybe in some weird, bizarre world you get lucky and a team claims him. But at this point, you don't need the guy. Uh, so I think you're better off giving a youngster a spot on the roster uh, instead of keeping him around. Yeah, but do you want to be the guy that looks Lucic in the eye and says, uh, "Buddy, there's no room for you here." You better. <laughs> That's you better not be, my job. <laughs> you better be ready to duck, is what I'm saying in the in the front office over there. Carolina Hurricanes three and zero last week, one of the hottest clubs in the league, obviously. Martin Netzcash is one of the reasons why he's making a bid for top six minutes here. He's got seven points in the last seven games played. So when you got a third liner producing like that, you know things are going well. Zvechnikov, two goals, four assists last week. Teravainen pacing the attack with seven points in five games played. His running mate, uh, Sebastian Ajo, four goals and one helper in the last five on pace for his first 35-plus goal season. The offense is firing right now, AJ, and that's a big reason why this team's doing as well as they are. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the good news is that they're they're starting to put it together after kind of a slow start to the season. They do have the one bad news, Eric Halla, expected to be out long term. They didn't really provide a ton of details on what that means. Coach Brendan Moore was quoted as saying he's going to be out for a while. He's not playing anytime soon. That's certainly not uh, an encouraging. He missed four games due to a knee injury played in two uh, and, you know, appeared like maybe he had, uh, you know, was able to shake it off, was ready to go. Um, But clearly that's not the case. And and that's really unfortunate. You have to wonder if we're looking at a season ending uh, situation here. Yeah. And he's one of the few physical elements that they have there as well. So that would be a big loss to that group. The Chicago Blackhawks are on a four game win streak. Their record nine, seven and four overall. Kirby Doc is one of the reasons why the 19 year old has suddenly become a fixture here. AJ, after a bit of a struggle in the first few games of his career, he got six points in his last four and looks very much like he's going to stick around and be impactful uh, as well for the Hawks, and that's great news for them. Dylan Strom, another youngster, has picked up his pace with six points in his last four games played. We talked a lot about the way this guy emerged last year and looks right now like he's ready to com- continue along that, that the path where he was a little bit struggling a little bit before. Brendan Saad has low ownership in uh, DFS play and, and season long, uh, but he, he's picking up his game as left winger on the top line. He's got seven points in his last seven games played, so a pretty good value in DFS if you're looking for help uh, from a front liner, and the Hawks are rolling right now, so it would be a perfect time to throw him in if you need him. Robin Leonard's turned aside turned aside 92 of 98 shots in his last two outings that's crazy uh, volume and uh, big point totals in DFS play for him and uh, a goalie that I think should be the number one guy in Chicago Patrick Kane uh, was was slow out of the gate but uh, he's he's doing very well of late too three goals and three assists to lead this club and uh, as long as he's rolling with the youngsters they're going to be a handful for anybody right now 
I certainly don't agree, uh, don't disagree rather that Robin Lerner uh, appears to, you know, be the guy that'll uh, carry the load moving forward. But Corey Crawford is certainly not going quietly into the night here uh, without uh, fighting uh, for, you know, some some more time. You look at his last five games, uh, hasn't lost in regulation. So three oh and two, at least earning a point in two of those contests at two point three eight goals against average over that stretch. That's certainly respectable. Uh, and you're not going to complain about that on a on a regular basis. So. I think we're looking at, you know, Robin Lerner comes over from the Islanders, and I think we're going to be right back uh, for him in a goalie split situation here. I expect both these guys to carry the load. Uh, I don't know if we'll see the straight up, you know, the Islanders are going every other night. They're switching, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. I don't know that we'll quite see that here. Lerner may get a couple more, but overall, I, I think we're looking at a split goalie situation in Chicago. In Colorado, they're they're looking for goalies right now. AJ Philip Philip Grubauer has a lower body injury. He's been out since November the fifth, and it rains unavailable. Pavel Frank, who's his backup, out with a head injury. It's a suspected concussion, so he might be out for a bit too. So they got to be shopping for netminders because the next man up, Arnie Werner, was lit up in his first start. Antoine Bibo, a guy that I know a little bit about from the Leafs uh, Miners organization organization he uh, is is slated to get a, a start uh, this week so i'm anxious to see what he looks like between the ne- twine but the team's got to be lining up to face this club right now with the uncertainty in the in the nets miko rantanen update he started skating on his own last week and uh, not ready for contact so he's still at least a couple of weeks away and the same with gabriel landeskog they're missing two-thirds of their top line they're goalies it's a horrible circumstance there but Jonas Donskoy has had a couple of three-point nights in his last five games logging over 20 minutes a game Andre Burakovsky is also taking advantage of some some downtime elsewhere and uh, he's got four points in his last two games and the captain of course keeps rolling along Nathan McKinnon four goals and three assists last week still a strong play anytime the, the the avalanche is on the schedule I don't think there's a better way to show what being a rookie uh, netminder in the NHL means or what it can look like than Adam Werner's debut. Comes in 31 seconds into the game, faces 40 shots, stops all of them, gets his first win, then gets to make his first NHL start in the next game and gives up five goals on 18 shots before getting the hook. Uh, You know, that's just something that's going to happen when you're a rookie netminder. Now, for Colorado fans out there, the news isn't all doom and gloom. Grubauer and Frank Cruz both were said to be uh, maybe available or could be available tonight. I would imagine if both guys are healthy, Grubauer gets a start. Uh, I don't uh, I don't anticipate that we'll see Adam Werner again, uh, likely not at all this year, if I'm being perfectly honest. But that's a good thing for Colorado in that they have their two, their one and two back healthy, hopefully uh, pretty soon. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets won 0-1 last week. They're still hanging around. Uh, I thought they'd be one of the dregs of the league, but they're doing a little bit better than I suspected. Boone Jenner's moved up to the center, uh, the top line, with the big shots on goal rate. And uh, if he continues with that, I think the points will come. This guy's a a big talent that has been 
under you underwhelming i'll say for for columbus for too long i i still think there's a lot of talent here that we're just not seeing uh pierre luc dubois has seen a reduction in his, his playing time at center as a result of that change only two points to show for him in his last six starts so he's going uh if you're looking at the the music charts he'd be a guy with an, with an arrow down next to his name uh Eunice corpusalo has fared well of late allowing two goals against in four of his last five starts, pretty sad, uh, steady performance. Sadly for him, he's only won twice in that stretch. He's been a workhorse for this team, as uh, Elvis Merzalinkins has only five, four decisions to date. So another case where the starting goaltender is getting a large share of the net. Yeah, and I don't think we really expected that with Corpusalo here. I, I think in his first kind of season as as the number one guy there, I think we thought maybe you know 50 at most 55 but at this point it's really trending towards him possibly getting a look in in 60 games this year which i don't necessarily think is a bad thing for them uh especially you know to kind of uh give him that full taste of being a true nhl number one you know you look at his past seasons his highest game games played came uh when he was a rookie in 2015-16 he played 31 that year and so i I definitely don't think this is a a bad thing for him and you mentioned uh pierre-luc dubois dropped down to the fourth line i was pretty surprised uh to see that uh drastic of a demotion now obviously those line combinations could change tonight ahead of their game um but i think that opens up the door to maybe look at a guy like Riley Nash or, or Boone Jenner moving in to top six uh, responsibilities. In Dallas, boy, can you f- feel for the guys that picked up John Klingberg in season long thinking here's my stud defenseman he's out with a lower body injury on top of the miserable start that he's had he's on the IR and he'll be out at least another week it looks like and similar news for the the emerging star Rupe Hintz he's out with a lower body injury also on the IR but he could come off later this week so there's a bit of good news in his circumstance one defenseman on the rise that we've liked ever since we've saw him last year is Miko Heiskanen, five points in three the three wins that the Stars collected last week to lead the defense here. And boy, he looks like the real deal on the back end and certainly covering up, covering up for the offensive uh, gap left behind by Klingberg. Tyler Sagan looks like he's ready to play some dominant hockey again. He picked up five points in his last two outings, but it's been a subpar year for him. And uh, Jamie Benn continues to struggle along there. Uh, it's shocking what's happened with his him falling off the scoring cliff the way he has. Anton Kudobin picked up two uh, more wins as a second-string goalie here. He's got nine games played under his belt. 231 is the goals against average. You've got to think that an expansion team like Seattle must be looking at this guy saying, that could be our starting goalie here. Yeah, that's actually a really intriguing uh, call there, Paul, to, to maybe uh, look at a guy uh, like Kudobin. I, I actually hadn't really thought of that, and I think it's a, an interesting uh, point of discussion. You know, one uh, guy who's also seeming to find his, his stride here in Dallas is Joe Pavelski. You look at his last three games, has two goals, two assists. Uh, and starting to really uh, seemingly figure it out himself there in Dallas. And if they can get Ben and Sagan going at, or uh, Pavelski and Sagan going, it'll at least kind of stem the problems that they've had getting uh, Jamie Ben, uh, you know, really rolling three points in his last two games. Maybe this is a step in the right direction for him. And maybe all three of these guys will start going, which makes them a dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah, and Detroit might qualify as the same thing if you uh, 
are uh, caught off guard by them. They've got a number of young stars that come up and bite you. I like the way this team is starting to get it, things together offensively, but on the back end, there's trouble. Phillips Ronick uh, is out with an undisclosed injury. This guy had been their power play quarterback uh, since, since game one this year. He's missed the last two games. We haven't got much more news at my end, AJ. Maybe you have more uh, at the headquarters, but uh, that's a tough blow for the, the Wings. They also are mi- had been missing Mike Green out for personal reasons in the last game, meaning Joe Hicketts got a call up for the Miners, a guy with some offensive upside there too. With this defense so depleted, Dennis Chalowski has been seeing a big spike in minutes. Another young defenseman who they're trying to groom for uh, maybe some power play time as well. In the nets behind all this, Jonathan Bernier has been getting a bigger share of the goalie starts of late. Only three wins in his last seven to show for it. A 317 goals against and an 892 uh, save percentage not among the leaders in the NHL by a long shot. And I've never been a big fan of this guy as a guy who can handle a heavy goalie load anyway. After four straight DNPs, that's did not plays, Taro Hirose, a young guy who they expected uh, to have some sort of an impact this year, finally scored his first goal of the season uh, in his return to the ice. So maybe he needed that as a wake-up call. Uh, He's a player of interest for me, so I'll be watching him. Well, you mentioned Philip Ronick. He uh, told reporters yesterday that he was hoping to play tonight. Uh, you know, hasn't been confirmed uh, by Jeff Blazell uh, as being in the lineup or not, but it sounds optimistic uh, that he would uh, be able to go. And uh, yeah, one other guy that I want to highlight that's really, um, you know, really been very comfortable since making a, a change of scenery here. Uh, is Robbie Fabry. This is a guy I've talked about for a number of years, have been really high on, but just injuries have really sidelined his career. I mean, you look at his uh, quick look at his last season stats, you'll see 2017 completely missing uh, due to injuries. But since being traded to Detroit and, and being able to get an opportunity to play two goals, four assists in five games, uh, eight shots on goal in that stretch, and two, both of those goals have come on the power play, so getting opportunities to play in that role as well. Uh, and this is a guy that uh, maybe consider taking a look at if you're in a deeper, uh, you know, season-long league. See if Robbie Fabry is out there and, and maybe give him a, a good hard look and, and think about picking him up because he seems to really be rolling in Detroit right now. The Edmonton Oilers, there's a team that uh, has been doing a little bit better than we suspected off the hop, and it's because they're getting some tremendous scoring from the top two guys. Obviously, we talked about McDavid and Dreisaitl a lot. McDavid had 10 points, Dreisaitl 9 last week. Zach Cassian still riding shotgun there, and boy, he's not owned in in more than 50% of the leagues that are out there on CBS platform. Uh, as far as I could see in the last check. Three goals and two assists last week for the big right winger. Nine shots on goal in his last four games played. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum similarly being dragged upwards with the scoring exploits of this club, uh, leading the defense with six points in his last four games and getting power play minutes alongside Darnell Nurse. This is... uh, Sometimes they put these guys together uh, on the ice to back, at the back of the power play, but both of them logging big-time power play minutes there in good value in DFS as a result. But uh, on the defensive side of the puck, there might be issues starting to creep in here, AJ. They've allowed 13 goals against in their last three games played. James Neal, the other half of that Milan Lucic deal, has cooled off as well. Only two points in his last seven games played as uh, second-line left winger is carrying a minus 11 year-to-date too, so maybe things are catching up to his game as well. 
Well, I wouldn't be surprised by James Neal's plus minus. It's never been uh, the the strongest of, of strengths of his. You know, you look, he hasn't had a plus since 2015-16 uh, when he was with Nashville, uh, and he had to put 58 points and 31 goals on the board uh, in order to get a, a high plus minus there. So, you know, this is a guy that if if that's a category in your, your league, you probably should have stayed away from him from the onset. But uh, I think he'll pick back up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the kind of drought slump here drags on a little bit i wouldn't be shocked to see them bump him up to that first line get him a game or two with mcdavid and dry yes you're really putting all your eggs in one basket if you do that but i think that'll get him back on on a roll and then you can move him back down and have him play with ryan nugent hopkins and and whoever else they want to put on the left wing there but uh if it i would guess if it goes another game or two uh, of james neal struggling to produce he might get that bump AJ, Florida Panthers were a team that both of us thought would be improved this year, and they certainly are with another 2-1 and one record. They're 10-5-5 year-to-date. Mackenzie Weger was a big reason why, but he suffered a facial injury and uh, is likely still going to be out this week, uh, according to my sources. Keith Yandel, though, has been firing on all cylinders. The uh, venerable power play quarterback here, one goal, seven assists last week to lead all D-men, and I bet not many people in our listenership would uh, guess that off the top of their heads. Although this guy is a sneaky good DFS value play, a strong point producer year in, year out for this club. Doesn't get the publicity that some of the other scoring defensemen do in the league, in my opinion. Little production from the third line, which was pretty good earlier on. It's, it's, it's traceable to Dennis Malgin really struggling in the middle. One assist in his last nine games played. So they're really putting a lot of pressure on their top end scorers as they have done for most of the last few years here. And that's a shame because they have a lot of good players here that are are not really pulling their weight right now. Brian Boyle has been forced, in fact, uh, this guy's a career fourth liner. He's been forced to move up to a second line left wing, and he's been productive. Seven points in his last 12 games played here, so uh, I don't expect that's a long-term play, but uh, he's going well enough right now to fill that role admirably. Well, last week the club announced that Roberto Luongo was returning to the organization in a, a new role. Uh, and if I was a Panthers fan, I'd kind of have been hoping that new role was starting netminder uh, <laughs> with how bad Fabrowski has been of late. Now he got a win uh, the other night over the Rangers, kind of broke a, a you know three, four game uh, losing streak. Technically, he didn't get saddled with a loss in Boston, but he got the hook. So I'll count that as a loss for our sakes. Uh, but he still gave up three goals on 33 shots to save percentage in that game, just point nine oh nine. And this really just has not been good enough out of Sergei Bobrovsky to the point where uh, maybe they need to give Samuel Maltembo a few other looks and and see uh, what they can get out of him. You know, Maltembo uh, has wins in his last two games, uh, three wins in his last four appearances. So uh, a couple extra games maybe to maybe send a message to Sergei Bobrovsky that he needs to figure something out. Well, and uh, the L.A. Kings thought they had figured something out last week with three wins, but they went back to the other side and lost it by shutout last night. As I mentioned earlier, Jack Campbell and the Nets for that one. But Jonathan Quick receded for all three wins last week, and that was good news because he only allowed six goals against in the process. Anze Kopitar picked up his offensive game, too, with six points last week. 
Jeff Carter's always been a high-volume shooter, AJ, and he's back to a 20 to 25 goal pace, it seems, and is, uh, we're starting to see him get shots on goal like he had for most of his career. It dipped in the last season and a half, but right back to where we're used to seeing it there. Sadly, Alex Iofalo with 10 points is the only guy under 25 years of age, of age who's chipping in with any significant production offensively and that's the surprise for me. For me. They, they've been a floundering team for a couple of years here and they can't just find an infusion of youngsters who can help uh, the veterans to, to right this ship. Well, I think the important thing here for Kings fans is don't let this uh, this you know three-game uh, win streak that you had there get to your head. This is a team that needs to focus on the rebuild and needs to be selling off pieces here at the deadline. Uh, they're still in the bottom of the Pacific, so hopefully any of our listeners out in L.A. aren't getting too optimistic about this because really I think you're looking at the long-term future here. I know that's tough when you want to cheer for your team and watch on a nightly basis, but that is the situation that you're in. They need to uh, you know, start uh, wheeling and dealing here for so- some of these guys. I would expect... You probably won't see too much until after uh, the new year. But come January, I wouldn't be shocked to see some uh, some guys headed for uh, greener pastures. The Minnesota Wild is another team in that same boat. AJ, they have some bad contract at the top end, though, and that's going to strangle them for a little bit in terms of their rebuilding efforts. They were 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. Uh, some positives though after some early struggles Devin Dubnik is back on the beam allowing only 13 goals against in his last five games that's more like what we've come to expect from uh, the linchpin in the nets there just despite a four-game pointless streak uh, Eric Stahl's on pace to lead this team in scoring again with his usual 50 to 60 points but just like James Neal Neal this guy we're used to seeing a minus next to his name and he's got a minus 14 right now it's ugly and it's very revealing as far as I'm concerned Similar story for Matt Dumba on the defense. This guy we thought was a rising star at the back end. The offense is there with 12 points in 20 games, but a career-high minus 10 tells the story that's, uh, that's being written in Minnesota. They just can't keep the puck uh, out of the net and outscore their opposition despite Dubnik's best efforts. Kevin Fiala has been on a nice streak offensively, though. Since coming off the IR, he's produced some good no- news here with four goals and two assists in his last eight outings. I'm going to break a cardinal rule here in Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm going to say bad things about Ryan Sutter. Uh, (laughs) No goals in his last uh, eight games, just three assists over that stretch. Uh, Has only 14 shots. That's less than two a game. Really, you want this guy putting pucks on net. And you look at the totals during this slump. In three games, he didn't put a single shot on goal. That's just not good enough um, for a guy that's supposed to be uh, an offensive contributor from the blue line. And you have to start wondering if at 34 years of age, he, he's lost a, a step here. At this point, I, I don't know. Uh, 40 looks to be a, a challenge. He certainly doesn't seem like he's going to hit 50. Uh, and really, you know, you look at his totals. The last time he missed the 40-point mark was 2014-15, and he's certainly in danger of that at at this point in the season. And the Montreal Canadiens are rolling along still, AJ. They were 2-0-1 last week, but uh, off the ice, they got some tough news uh, in terms of the injury front. Jonathan Drouin, who was a top scorer for this club early on, has landed on the IR and faces wrist surgery after Alexander Ovechkin ran him over on Saturday. I thought Ovi left his feet to make that hit, incidentally, and... uh, boy drew and got got 
blasted in that in that collision. I'm surprised only a wrist injury when I saw the impact. Paul Byron is another top six player who will have knee surgery here. Both these guys out indefinitely, and that's got to put uh, the rest of the forwards in a bit of a blender in terms of coming up with line combinations going forward. Thomas Tatar is rolling again, uh, just like he was last year after the trade that took him to Montreal. Seven points in his last four games played. He's locked in as a left winger on the top line and doing very well. The same goes for Philippe Den- uh, Denot at center, uh, number one center with five points in his last three games, so he's going well too. Ben Sherratt, not normally a scoring defenseman, has five points in his last six games and a plus six year to date. He must love it in Montreal. He's on a career best pace. Joel Armia really cooling off. Uh, he was a guy that thrived uh, in, the, in the top six earlier on this season, but only one point in his last seven games. I'm going to suggest to you he's regressed to a level, level that I'm more used to seeing him as a bottom six producer, and maybe that's in store for him still here. Same uh, for Ty, Do- uh, Ty Domi's son, Max. Only two goals, uh, two assists, rather, in his last seven games played, despite 14 shots on goal. He's been moved over to left wing on the second line to accommodate Suzuki at center on the second line. That's an interesting choice, but one made out of a bit of desperation with the injuries going on here. Well, I actually really like this second line, and, and I'm intrigued to see what they have to offer. I'm not so intrigued that I'm ready to slot them in to my DFS lineup quite yet. I'll give it a game or two to see if they stick together, but I think Tomi, Suzuki, and Armia uh, provide a, a good combination of tools uh, to potentially put some points on, and it's also going to be a really tough physical line to play against as well. Um, you know, these these are not guys that are shy um, from you know battling for pucks in the corner. So I, I'm actually really intrigued by this group to see what they have to offer here in the next couple of games. Nashville Predators are on a four-game losing streak. It's been a while since anybody could say that. Uh, despite the team's recent struggles, though, Matt Duchesne has picked up his pace with five points in his last five games played, for the most part living up to almost the contract and the expectations that we had for him as a scoring center that was a, a desperate need here. Michael Grandland uh, still unperform- underperforming year-to-date, but at least he, too, is picking up a, a little bit with points in his last two games played. I thought this guy could be a 60-point guy here, just as he was with Minnesota, but it's just not materialized. I still hold out that hope for him, so you might be able to buy him low right now. Kyle Touris is back down on the fourth line, and maybe one of the biggest mysteries for me in the NHL is the fact that this guy just has forgotten how to score one point in his last eight games played. I think that he's going to be out of hockey soon in the NHL if he continues this way, because if he can't score, he's not of much value anywhere else. Team defense and goaltending, surprisingly the concern here. You would not have expected me to say that at the beginning of the season. Pecorini has given up at least four goals in four of his last five starts. And again, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. A defensive issue in Nashville. I think the really uh, unfortunate thing for for Predators is that they are stuck with Kyle Turris at $6 million for four more seasons after this year. They've got Kyle Turris locked in longer uh, than Philip Forsberg, uh, Craig Smith, who they might want to give a, a another one a contract to, they've got him locked in longer than Peke Rene or UC Saros. Uh, it's just crazy to me. Now, they could be forgiven this deal a little bit uh, when when he initially signed it, but I think you know we're going to see uh, I think a change here in the next couple of years, and we're starting to see it already in that guys uh, that are plus 30 i don't think are going to get 
big, big contracts like mm-hmm. this anymore because you're seeing more and more of them just go south. Um, you know, I'll have to find it. I, I don't have it in front of me, but, uh, you know, Milan Lucic, the year he signed that big deal, there were a number of guys that have signed big contracts that year. I think Louis Erickson signed a big deal that year, and those just have not worked out. And I think guys like Kyle Terrace are going to be part of the reason that we see a changing landscape where you used to get entry-level contract, bridge deal, then get rewarded with this big contract when you hit 30s for multi-years, multi-millions. And I think instead you're going to see entry-level, big deal, and then you know smaller contracts for those uh, guys later on in their career. And AJ, when I look at the New Jersey Devils, I think about a yearly rant that we used to have about the way injuries are disclosed here. This guy, Sammy Vatnin's status has changed from day to day to out, and now he's on the IR, finally landing there. But uh, despite all that, he has been out since November the 8th, but he could return within a week. So uh, the nebulous nature of the injury list continues to be a real pain for guys like you and me in this business. Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, behind this defense, has three goal, three wins in his last four games, and he's got a stranglehold on the top goalie gig here. You mentioned Corey Schneider and his $6 million uh, cap hit through 21-22 season. He was waived by the Devils on Monday to get him into the minors. Uh, veteran backup Louis Domingue got the call up and uh, he will uh, uh, spell Mackenzie Blackwood from time to time, but expect the youngster to get the lion's share of the load. And man, am I glad that I stacked up on Blackwood ownership at the beginning of the season. I got him cheap and uh, he's going to return value. He already has uh, for my part. Damon Severson, a guy that I also held in high regard, is playing big minutes again, 23 minutes a game in his last uh, seven starts, but still has only one assist to show for it. He's got way too much skill for this the, that low level of production. So again, a buy low opportunity there. Nico Heischer, uh, the number one pick a couple of years ago, has three points in his last three games with nine shots on goal. Looks like he's ready to snap out of a recent funk as well. I think what's interesting about the Corey Schneider move is they're only going to get about one point. I think it was about one point nine million uh, in like cap relief by burying that contract in the minors. So they're they're still going to be paying big, big money. And and honestly, how bad do you have to be playing that a team's willing to take on a four point nine million dollar cap hit? Uh, I I think one point one uh, might be the number, but right, it is. Uh, so, yeah, to have an over $4 million cap hit to you know have a guy playing in the minors is just astronomical. I think it's interestingly enough, Louis Dominguez's cap hit is about 1.1. So perfectly, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, replacement level in, in that sense. Uh, I would not be surprised. I don't think anybody's going to claim him off waivers because of that cap hit. However, if he clears waivers today, I would not be shocked to see a team maybe try and make a a trade for him. From New Jersey's standpoint, you're already burying $4.9 million in the minors. Why not trade him and eat a little bit of that contract? The only problem there is there's a couple more years on that deal, two more to be exact. So that makes it difficult. But uh, I don't think a, a trade is outside the realm of possibility uh, once he clears waivers, though I would be shocked if he got claimed. New York Islanders 2-0 was the record last week. They're 14-3-1 on the season. This is all about team discipline here, and it's a real big contrast for me to look at this team and the way the Leafs are being run right now. Derek Brassard, six points in his last four games as right wing on the second line. 
He's only owned in 10% of CBS leagues. I can't believe the number is that low. And if you have a chance to pick him up, he's really returning value right now. And Beauvier, similarly hot, four goals in his last two games played as left winger on the top, on the second line there. Thomas Grice is on a personal six-game winning streak in the Nets. Look at the numbers here, 198 goals against and 938 save percentage for one half of the goaltending mix here. The other half's not too bad either. Uh, They say uh, they don't miss John Tavares here. But Anders Lee certainly must. He had 14 goals two seasons ago uh, next to the Leafs' new captain. Now he's barely on a 20-goal clip. Uh, I like the grit that this team plays with, though, AJ, and it's no wonder it's so hard to score against this team. They really have you looking around with your head on a swivel because if you don't, they're going to hit you. Well, Varlamov's numbers in his last two games haven't been great. He's given up four in each of them, but you're playing high-powered uh, offenses that that have all-star caliber, you know, players in Pittsburgh and Toronto, and he managed to get the overtime loss to Pittsburgh and then the the win against Toronto. So, yes, he gave up four goals in each of those games, but he did enough to kind of let his his offense bail them out, got three points. You know, getting three points in, in matchups with Toronto and Pittsburgh, that's, you know, I think most teams would be happy to come out with that, uh, you know, pretty decently there. So uh, if the split carries over, we'll see Varlamov in net next. It's, it, like I said, it's been every other night for these two. So Varley will get a chance to kind of rebound from those two uh, four goal outings. New York Rangers up next. They were one and two last week. They're eight, eight and two on the season. Mika Zibanejad out with an upper body injury. He's been missing since October 27. He may return on Wednesday of this week to to boost this uh, sagging fortunes of this club. Capo Caco out with a sickness. He missed two games last week. Should be ready to go later this week. And that's good news because he was just catching fire again with four goals in his last five tilts. Adam Fox has had a nice stretch with six points over his last five games played before going pointless in his last two. So the young defenseman showing some offensive upside there. Ryan Strom continues to fill in admirably with seven points and a plus five in his last six games played to fill in for the injured Zibanejad up front. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo, very productive on the back end too with seven points in his last seven games played as the right wing on the second pairing, getting some power play minutes too. And young Philip Heatle is heating up with four goals and one assist in his last five games played. I wonder if the fact that he started the season in the minors was a bit of a wake-up call for him because he's really responded since he, he's come up to the big club. Yeah, absolutely. And he's getting an opportunity here with Mika Zibinijad's, uh extended absence here. You know, they, they've taught it seemed like he's getting closer, seemed like he's getting closer, um, but he's not going to play Wednesday. Just got ruled out for that one. Uh, you mentioned Kako being sick. He was back at practice yesterday, so I would expect him to be ready to go, which is a good good thing for them, uh, you know, because they're going to need somebody to kind of carry the offense here a little bit with with Sabinajad continuing to be out. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll be really, you know, happy about that. One thing I do want to circle back on that I forgot to mention, uh, Sammy Vatnin, you mentioned the injury, you know, back and forth there. He is expected to play tonight. Uh, so we should see him there. I just want to clarify that he is healthy and good to go by all uh, accounts. Very good news there for the Devils. The Ottawa Senators 2-2 two and two in a busy week last week. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot getting a lot of ink right now. He's been the most added player in, in uh, weekly play and season long. Uh, he, he's had two solid weeks in a row, and he's a solid citizen besides that, showing the kids the right way to play. 
Mark Borowiecki, 10, point, 10 shots on goal and three assists in his last four games, playing with bigger minutes in the back end, almost 20 minutes per game as well. So a guy who normally we note for the physical side of his game is playing much better hockey overall there. And uh, as far as the rest of, rest of the roster notes that I have go, uh, Anders Nilsson in the Nets only allowing 10 total goals in his last five outings, winning four of them and taking over the number one role outright, as I thought he might at the beginning of the season. Oddly enough, while the team structure looks to be more stable than last season, team stars Brady Tuchuk and Thomas Shabbat will be hard-pressed to repeat last year's offensive exploits because they're a little bit below their pace this season so far. I've been a little surprised by uh, the fact that DJ Smith there, the coach, has hung hung with Anthony Duclair in in the top line spot. Now he had a you know pretty decent run there from you know late October to early November when he had five goals in seven games plus two assists. Uh, but his most recent contest, just one goal and one assist in his last five outings. Uh, 10 shots on goal. You'd like to see that a little bit higher, but certainly uh, doing enough, uh, I guess, in in the minds of the coaching staff to hold on to that spot. The other consideration here is maybe there's just nobody they really feel comfortable putting there. For my money, I would put uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov up in that spot. I think he could really uh, add something there alongside Logan Brown and Brady to Chuck. But uh, evidently for now, they're going to continue to ride Duclair in that spot and hope he can play himself uh, out of the little bit of uh, slump he's had here in, in mid-November. The Philadelphia Flyers hit the skids last week a little bit, AJ. Oh, oh darn. Oh, one and two. I know you're just very disappointed about that. Lynn Blum, though, offensively, a guy that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, continues to roll along. Four points in his last five games played as left wing on the second line here with second line power play duty. I think he's a good value play. And Farabee, uh, another a youngster who's just performing very well at the right wing on the top line, despite two assists in his last six games played, a bit of a slump uh, for him. Not much longer uh, is that opportunity for him if he continues to struggle, though. So while he got on the board early, he needs to keep it up to hold on to that role with, I think they've still got some pretty good offensive talent here. JVR may not be considered an option for one of those roles because he just can't seem to log the big minutes anymore. His production is down year to date as well though so it might not be an option an intriguing name though morgan frost is up uh, with the big club former first round draft pick recent high pick here finally got called up to play his first game as a left winger on the third line he had 12 points in 16 ahl games at lehigh valley so take that you ahl expert you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm i'm a little surprised honestly that that it took uh took this long for frost to to get called up this year uh and honestly a a little surprised he didn't get a look right out of camp now i believe if i'm recalling correctly uh he did deal with a bit of a minor uh a groin injury during camp so that probably is what sidelined him there but i would imagine he's not going anywhere at this point i'll dig deeper since you went to ahl i'll talk ohl uh (laughs) with the greyhounds 100 points in each of his last two OHL seasons and that's really why they took him uh you know 27th overall in the 2017 draft really banking on him adding that offensive touch so far it's transferred over into the AHL game and they're obviously going to be hoping it continues all the way up to the NHL uh, as early as uh tonight and now we're up to the Pittsburgh Penguins I'm sure you got an update for me on Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang I'll go with the fact that Sidney Crosby's been diagnosed with an issue that's going to keep him out for six weeks. Chris Letang, also a lower body injury. 
Crosby with a hernia, I have experience with that too. It's going to be a long while for him. And uh, wish him well in that recovery because he means so much there, obviously. Latang, a lower body injury update, missing the last five games. Could he return tonight? Maybe. Um, you tell me if I'm right or wrong there. Patrick Hornquist skated back at practice in a non-contact jersey. Seems to me that's a sign of progress, but he's still a ways away. On the ice, you're probably very happy with Brian Rust. He's got eight points in his last seven games played with bigger minutes uh, per game on his ledger. So pretty good value play there in DFS if you want to go that route. And I told you, never mind you, AJ, but I said earlier on, keep an eye on McCann, uh, a, gr- a great pickup from Florida. He's been done nothing but a, a useful part here in Pittsburgh since he arrived. And right now, seven points and a plus nine in his last six outings. On the flip side, though, Alex Galchenia not doing very much with only three assists in his last seven games played, now relegated to left wing minutes on the third unit. So bring me up to speed on the injuries, partner. Well, yeah, Sidney Crosby out six weeks. Uh, apparently, this was something he was dealing with during training camp uh, and had hoped to play out the, the season without uh, without having to go through the surgery. That obviously uh, got uh, waylaid uh, uh, along the way here. Uh, Chris Letang, no sign of him as far as I've seen at, at practices. Uh, the Pens have been a little bit hesitant this year to do morning skates in a, a traditional sense. So um, it's possible that that he was out there. But at this point, I haven't seen anything indicating uh, that he's playing. And so John Marino figures to continue slotting into that big role uh, with Brian Dumoulin and really has been phenomenal for them. You know, everything I've read is that this uh, this kid just gets better and better with every game. Uh, you look at his point total is reflected in that four points in his last six outings. He's logging over 20 minutes, uh, 21 minutes per game uh, of late with with Latang out. And and really, this has been honestly a steal. Uh, the fact that they got him from uh, from the Oilers for a conditional six round pick in 2021. Uh, I think the Oilers had concerns about whether they were going to be able to sign him. Uh, coming out of out of college he uh, inked a deal with the Penguins I don't think anybody expected him to make the team out of training camp but he is just wowed and impressed at every step of the way and really has stepped up big time up next is the St. Louis Blues and uh, that left wing spot on the second line has become a blip of black hole with Alex Steen out due to a high ankle sprain and that's likely a four-week injury absence in his stead, Mackenzie McEachern looks like the best performer of late with two points in his last four games, and that's uh, no big deal, I can say. And that's one of the reasons why they brought in a guy like a Jamie McGinn to get a shot uh, with a player tryout uh, last week. Don't expect big things from him. He's never been a big scorer, but they really have to find an option to fill in. Uh, on what should be an offensive production spot. Tyler Bozak has also been quiet, save for a recent four-game point streak, but his pointless in his last four outings and has now been moved to right wing on the top line for a golden opportunity to start clicking again. I'm surprised, though, most uh, here about uh, Justin Falk's struggles, AJ. He's uh, not been able to find offense with six points in 21 games played. That's well off his career pace. In fact, it's the lowest uh, of any season going back five years in his career in Carolina. Well, I might take an unpopular stance here, but uh, I actually think the league got it right in not suspending Oscar Sundquist uh, the other day. They fined him uh, for charging on John Gibson. He was penalized uh, on the on the hit uh, there, and and I think that was all fair. I think uh, the penalty was warranted. 
I think the suspension or the fine is is certainly uh, deserving, but I think a suspension would have been too much. And here's why I say that: in the aftermath uh, of the hit, and granted, it, it was a poor choice by Sunquist to to try and you know go in there with speed. You have to make a better decision there. But in the aftermath, prior in the like millisecond prior to him getting smothered uh by uh ducks uh you know defenseman and, and forwards there you can see he's like reaching out to john gibson to be like man like are you okay like I, i'm sorry like he's clearly about to try and you know apologize for what happened and make sure gibson's okay you don't really get to see him do that because he gets just obliterated by <laughs> by the <laughs> the rest of the ducks on the ice there um, but I, I think because of that, it's very clear to me that there was no intent here. He was not, you know, running at the goalie. Now, granted, if this happens again and he hasn't learned from this situation, then yes, a, a suspension would be warranted. But I, I do think the league got it right in this case of just a fine, a penalty on the play, all certainly uh, warranted reactions by the league. But I think a suspension would have been a little too harsh here. AJ, up next, we can talk about the uh, San Jose Sharks. They were 3-0 last week. Uh, they're on a s- league-best six-game win streak as they head into action tonight. Barkley Goodrow has written a good story here. Six points, a plus seven as right wing on the second line. Ownership's still up low, but it's up by 10% week over week in the season-long play. Timo Meyer is also on a roll with nine points in his last six games played. Logan Couture had one goal and six assists, so the offense is in really good hands right now that are all uh, putting the pucks in the net. Eric Carlson on the fence is enjoying a great streak as well with seven points and a plus eight in his last eight games. That's uh, one of the best stretches he's had this season so it's good to see the the veteran defender uh reaching for the stars uh and leading the pack of defensive scores around the league behind all this uh, jones has picked up all three wins and that's continuing his recent rebound and all of a sudden his numbers are looking a little bit better than they were earlier this season i mean i said it for for weeks on end that it was too early to to completely ship out you know on marty jones now uh you know, in terms of, of fantasy, and and I definitely have a, a share or two of him, uh, and and stuck it out, and I, I think you're finally being rewarded for that. The goals against average is still a little higher than what you'd like during this six-game winning streak, two point seven six, and the save percentage is below, you know, below nine hundred there as well. But I think it's a sign of things to come. I, I think you're going to see him start to get it right. Uh, fortunately for the Sharks, it, it's coming before it's too late, in my opinion. They are still uh, in the bottom of, of the, the Pacific. Um, but really, they're only three points out of the, the third spot there behind Vancouver. It's a pretty bunched up group right in the middle. You have Edmonton kind of uh leading you know kind of breaking away a little bit edmonton and arizona collectively 29 and 28 points and then of course you've got the kings with 17 at the bottom but the middle pack there is all pretty bunched up and so i think for them they fortunately didn't find themselves too far behind uh before things started to take off well you talk about things being bunched up there they're bunched up at the in the atlantic too and largely that's a result of the fact that tampa lightning has uh, stayed with the pack they are one and one last week played among the fewest games in the nhl still only nine six and two overall record and they're really not hitting on all cylinders but a couple of the the lesser lights are, are starting to turn it on a little bit and that might ignite things here yanni gourd Four goals, three assists in his last five games played, making a bid for top six minutes here. Ditto for Alex Killorn with six points in his last four games played. 
We keep waiting for Vasilevsky and that to start shutting the door a bit, but he allowed 15 goals in his last five games and con- continues to appoint to a career-worst regular season. Right now, the numbers not very flattering at all. 302 is the goals against. 901 is the save percentage. Those are among the worst that he's posted in his career. Mind you, it's only a 12-game sample, and the team and he both have plenty of time to get this thing right. Yeah, I think they'll certainly be fine uh, here. I, you know, I think uh, it's interesting to see Patrick Maroon kind of dropped uh, into a fourth line role. He's got three goals and, and one assist in his last four games. Uh, so you would still expect him to, to be playing top six minutes. However, uh, despite the, the lower role, he is still on that power play. Uh, and so that'll obviously bolster his minutes and his opportunities. So, uh, you know, the, the demotion is a little bit of a, a concern for me, but I'm not quite ready uh, to bail on him yet. If, if you've got him in season long, I think because he's still on the power play and still producing, I think you hold on to him for the, the time being. Okay, I got to take a deep breath before we take the next team, AJ. <laughs> the Maple Leafs 0-3 last week, their league worst five-game winning streak right now. I'm not going to talk too much about players. I've got to rant a little bit. Fans should be really upset with this group. Uh, they're not giving an honest effort right now. I can't believe how little effort they're showing. And the low point for me came on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins with rookie Casimir Cascasuo making his NHL debut, and the team simply didn't play for him. He gave up. He faced 19 shots in the first period alone. It was ridiculous to see how this team came out of the gate. They've been scored upon first in 85% of the games they've played year to date. That's not acceptable. I'm not confident enough to recommend any players from this team in DFS play right now. I've never been able to say that in the five years I've done this show, AJ. Uh, You might want to look at a guy like a Willie Nylander, and it's shocking to me that when a team is playing so poorly, this figure skater is leading the pack in scoring with eight points in his last seven games played. That's an indictment of the rest of this roster as far as I'm concerned. And after a strong start, young Ilya Mikhaev seems to have caught the disease that's infected the rest of his club. He's all but disappeared. Tell me something good about my team, AJ, because I can't think of anything. Uh, I got nothing for you, Paul. It's it's really not looking great right now. You know, you mentioned the, the loss to the Penguins. That was the sixth uh, back-to-back of the season uh, for the Maple Leafs this year, and they've lost all six of them, really leaving their, their backup netminders out to dry. Um, you know, you thought maybe the shakeup by sending Hutchinson back to the Marlies would inspire these guys to play better on that second game of the back-to-back, and it, it didn't happen. Uh, and so really it means that you've got to ride Freddie Anderson that much more, but he's on a three game losing streak as well. Uh, and you know, struggling, uh, in the nets a little bit for him. And so really at this point, uh, there's, there's really not anything encouraging going on, you know, and the depth is going to get stretched a little bit here with Trevor Moore on IR, Alex Kerfoot, uh, is out indefinitely. Uh, and so there's, there's not a lot going on. That's, that's great right now. Uh, unfortunately, Paul for the Maple Leafs, which is why, uh, I expect, uh, to have a, a dollar in my pocket this, uh, this summer in Vegas. Well, I'm hoping for a big time turnaround and I thought you'd catch me at a weak moment. So uh, we'll let that play out. And hopefully I have some, some chirping uh, to do on my end before the season's over. The Vancouver Canucks won one and one last week 
10-7-4 uh, overall. Al Adam Gaudet has been a nice surprise. Three goals and one assist last week in his third year trying to break through. It looks like he might be ready to do so. He's also gotten a look on the power play here of late. Tanner Pearson is making the most of his left-wing minutes on the second line with five points last week, so there is some good secondary scoring happening. And I'm also keeping an eye on Josh Levo, a former Leaf who's getting a few more minutes again and being more productive than any other right-winger here. He's got four points in his last eight games played and hoping to reprise a top six role that he had last year. On the back end, young Quinn Hughes is on pace for 50-plus points as a 19-year-old on defense. All I got to say about that is wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, you talked about uh, Gaudet, you know, s- starting to pick it up. Uh, Sven Berti, who uh, started the year in the minors, has, has really struggled the last uh, last little bit here, um, you know, in overall in his career since being called back up has two assists in five games. I'm not ready to, to dive right in on, on the you know Sven Berchi train at this point, but both of those helpers came on the power play. He's getting some looks uh, with mostly the second unit, but his power play numbers having, or minutes rather, have increased a little bit. His shot rate isn't where I would like it yet in terms of, of utilizing him in, in DFS or even season long at this point. But it's something to monitor and keep an eye on. Um, if he can continue to contribute on the power play, he could hopefully, uh, you know, cement himself uh, in the in the lineup. I don't think he's done that quite yet. So I think a, a stint back in the minors isn't off the table yet. But he's making strides and maybe kind of reviving his uh, his career a little bit here. The Vegas Golden Knights up next. AJ, they were one and two last week, and uh, they got to be happy with the fact that that Mark Andre Fleury's back in the fold. Uh, despite the fact he was struggling recently, he closed out last week with a 34-save shutout over Calgary. The, look, at the backup goaltending situation here has been a mess. The goals against up over four, and the save percentage right around, say, 85. Those are unacceptable numbers, so they got to hope that their MVP stays healthy the rest of the year. Uh, the, the Knights have shuffled their forward lines uh, dramatically over here as well, and it m- might take a minute to go through this and see what you think about this mix, but they've really mixed it up in a blender. Max Pacioretty now playing with William Carlson and Riley Smith on the top line. Marcusol, Eakin, and Mark Stone make up the second line. Cody Glass, Paul Stastny, and Alex Tuck on the third unit. So really mixing things up here. And the last time we spoke about the, the Knights, I said they have a really glaring need on defense for a scoring defenseman. Nate Schmidt certainly took uh, took me up on that, making big strides, filling in the, as a key offensive D here uh, with five points in his last three games played. Now that they have him rolling, Shea Theodore underperforming, I think he can do better. Maybe it's not in such uh, not such bad hands here after all. Yeah, from my standpoint, you know, I don't mind the the little bit of a shuffle on the lines trying to try out different combinations, different guys. I think this team still has three quality scoring lines, uh, and I, you know, March assault for Pacioretty, I don't think is a real. Uh, you know, it's it's giving guys different opportunities to play with different guys. But from a talent standpoint, I don't think, you know, one guy uh, significantly outpaces the other in terms of what they offer on those lines. The third line can certainly score. And then they have probably one of the most physical fourth lines uh, in the league right now. And so I, I love the construction of this team. Yes, the, the defensive uh, production uh, was a concern at the start. But as you mentioned, Nate Schmidt is, is doing his part. If you had to ask me, I think the, the backup netminding is the one weak point on this team. Malcolm Subban's played in just five games this year. He's 0-3-2 in those outings, so 3.42 goals against average. And that's just not good enough to the point where, uh, you know, they're going to have to ride 
uh, flurry probably to, to 55, 60 games this season. I, I really think there's the possibility that he plays another 60 game season because of the struggles uh, that Malcolm Subban is having in the Nets. And you mentioned the physicality of the Golden Knights. The Washington Capitals, another team that likes to play at physical, and they're really rolling right now. Are you listening, Kyle Dubas? That's a last aside with the Leafs i got to mention here. <laughs> with Holtby on fire in the Nets, uh, his last, he only has one regulation loss in 14 decisions. Uh, Ilya Samsonov was sent to the minors for some playing time. Young Vitek Vanasek was called up. Don't expect him to get too much playing time in the near term unless... Holtby just falls apart so that's just a cosmetic move to get their backup goalie a little bit of extra extra ice time the rotowire shows Nicholas Backstrom centering Alex Ovechkin and Tom Wilson on the wings every time they'd make a change at center we have to note it because it makes such an impact in terms of DFS uh, picks with uh, Backstrom and uh, Kuznetsov in the middle there so keep an eye on that because it could even have fluctuated since I last updated this the last time I checked Kuznetsov was the guy so uh, maybe you have an update there AJ this morning. Jakob Vrana was blanked in his last three games but has done more than enough to hold on to the left wing role in the second line with Backstrom and Oshie on the other on another strong scoring line. So they're top six. You can put these names in a blender and pick out uh, two good forward lines no matter who's playing with who but it's always neat to know who's playing with Ovi right now as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, you check you check out the the depth charts on RotoWire right now. You've got Kuznetsov and Wilson uh, in that top line spot, but uh, you know, I would check back. Uh, so, you know, just a little bit of an insider look here. Uh, what we do at RotoWire is we update those lines when when they're tweeted out by either the teams or uh, the local beat writers there uh, covering the team, and so those will be up to date. I would definitely check back at those before. Uh, before uh, game time, uh, they'll get updated again before when the teams come out for the uh, for warmups and they'll do line rushes during warmups and we'll tweak them again with the most up to date information, you know, 30 minutes before the game. But uh, generally speaking, what we see uh, from the morning skate tends to 90 percent of the time carry over to the game. So those should be updated kind of midday. Uh, and, and worth taking a look on who's in that role. One kind of quick aside here is I think Garnett uh, Hathaway needs to face a suspension for his actions right. in last night's game. Uh, certainly, I don't mind the physicality from, from Leipzig or Hathaway. I, I don't mind the scrum. Uh, I don't mind the fighting. Uh, uh, but spitting on an opponent, I think, uh, crosses a line, in, in my opinion. And I think he needs to be hit with at least – it doesn't have to be ridiculous, but a one, maybe two game suspension, I, I think is certainly warranted. Here, here, I applaud that. The Winnipeg Jets wrap up our look around the league as usual. They were 2-1 and one last week. The early returns from separating Wheeler and Shifley on the top two lines and making them both centers on the top scoring lines has been a, an interesting move. Ross Lovich has benefited from this, tallying a goal and six shots on goal with the extra playing time. I expect big things from this guy. He should thrive as long as he gets this right wing role in the second line. Nikolai Ehlers added a pair of goals on the left wing on the second line as well. I think this restructuring could have a long-lasting effect in stretching this offense. So a gutsy call by Paul Maurice uh, in the the coaching department here working out so far. On the back end, Tucker Pullman has emerged as a strong scoring option. We never would have thought that at the beginning of the season, but the fact of the matter is four points in his last five games, twice approaching almost 20 minutes of playing time. This shouldn't come as a total surprise because he's been a productive offensive force in his AHL and U.S. college career. How about that, partner? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, nice kind of deep dive on, on Tucker Pullman. I, I'm definitely high on him. I think he'll hang around, uh, you know, and I think the reason we didn't really expect anything out of him this year is because heading into training camp, we expected Dustin Bufflin to be in the lineup here. Uh, and obviously with him out, uh, you know, Pullman would have been a, a fringe player uh, or if rather if Bufflin were in, I think Pullman would have been a fringe player and they would have sent him back to the AHL to play big minutes there rather than, you know, logging 14, 15 minutes a night in, in Winnipeg. But without Bufflin uh, and, you know, some other shakeups on, on the blue line, Pullman's been able to work his way into the lineup. And I really do think uh, we may see Wheeler staying in that center line, uh, center position on the second line, even once Brian Little comes back. Um, you know, it'll it'll shake things up a little bit. But as long as Razlavik and uh, Nikolai Ehlers can produce with with Wheeler, that gives you the chance to have Little Cop and Perot as your third line and move Adam Lowry in, into a fourth line uh, position and really bolster the depth of that fourth line as well. So um, I, at this point, I, if Brian little came back today and I'm Paul Maurice right now, I'm putting Brian little in the third line and, and leaving those top two uh, groups uh, as they are. And now it's time for our FanDuel segment. Uh, listen, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, and we want you to take advantage of a special offer for new users. Sign up at rotowire.com, take a look at it, and uh, certainly tell FanDuel that Rotowire sent you. We love the, the publicity, and uh, we love what they're doing over there. And AJ, you and I are knocking it out of the park, not just in hockey, but also football. I noticed that you finished second in our staff league last week. I've had three top ten finishes myself very recently, so it's not only hockey that we know we know football as well i can say and uh, pat on the back to you pal for your great week this weekend uh let us know what the optimizer has in store for tonight's matchup buddy well i have to correct you paul you you maybe didn't go back uh and double check i finished second not third um <laughs> you know so a little bit higher than uh than uh than you gave me credit for there but <laughs> no uh yeah so uh, looking at the optimizer this week, there's not uh, any huge trends. Uh, there are three jets that, that make the, the optimizer tonight. Um, but other than that, uh, it's a little bit spread out here. So the optimizer starts with Blake Wheeler at 6,700. I think that's a steal price for him. Uh, generally, I, I would have expected him to be over the, the 7,000 uh, price tag. So I, I would definitely consider that, even though the matchup is with Nashville, though Paul mentioned they're uh, on a bit of a skid right now. So Dylan Larkin, the other center for Detroit, 6,600. And then wingers. Uh, the optimizer pays up for Johnny Gaudreau, 7,300 tonight. Nikolai Ehlers comes back around for 5,100, our second Winnipeg Jet. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu for Detroit, uh, so 4,700 for him. Second line, second power play. Numbers haven't been as good this year, um, but a pretty discounted value. And then Alex Tuck for the Golden Knights. Uh, 4,500 for a guy, uh, third line. Yes. But I mentioned that I like that third line as a scoring line. Still, he's seeing second power play, uh, unit. And so, uh, a good value there defensively. The optimizer likes Brent Burns, 
Uh, and it's hard not to on a nightly basis if you can fit them in. 7400 that's the biggest price tag uh, non-goalie from the optimizer tonight. It comes back with Ryan Pollock, uh, 4200 tonight, uh, playing with the first power play. He's had decent production this year, uh, so a good value there. And then the optimizer in the Nets likes Connor Hellybuck, 8300 for the matchup tonight. On the road in Nashville is always tough, no matter how bad that team's been performing. Uh, on a week-to-week basis and a bit of an underdog pick there the the money line favors nashville tonight uh and so you might uh, avoid some high ownership uh given those kind of uh x factors well and i'm going to start with a guy who was hardly an x factor he's just a dominant force in the nhl and i'm really happy that i get him into one of my lineups for a change Connor mcdavid leads my pack with a 9200 dollars price tag he's just been lights out this year as everybody knows Guts a good matchup against a team that gives up a lot of shots and uh, Jones despite the great record has been giving up his share of goals so even though I might favor San Jose at home I still think McDavid could be in for a big night and I go to the flip side of this to show you how how I feel about San Jose I include a couple of sharks in my lineup Logan Couture has been very good of late as I highlighted uh, with a 13.9 point per game average in FanDuel play I'll take that with Connor McDavid's 23 and I think I'm looking pretty good at center with that $6,700 price tag for Couture being a little bit low in my opinion. On the wings I start with Jonathan Huberdeau who has been outstanding for the Florida Panthers as you might expect as the number one winger here over uh, over in uh, Florida. We get a home date against the Flyers who have been a little bit underwhelming of late and then I move into San Jose's roster again for Kevin LeBanc. I find a good value play there at $4,500 for a guy who's playing second line minutes and plug him in. And then I go to Ottawa against Detroit looking at the fact that Jimmy Howard gets the start. He's 2-8-1 and one on the year. I think he's going to be 2-9-1 and one at the end of the night. And Brady Tuchuk and Anthony Duclair have been lighting up of late. And I'll take my chances with them for 5400 and 4300 respectively. Kale McCarr has been outstanding in the in the defensive role for Colorado. Just uh, lights out in terms of offense from this guy. Get him in there for $5,000. And then a guy who's also at $5,000, Ryan Ellis, has been a steady performer for Nashville in terms of scoring exploits. These guys have uh, combined for 27 points on a nightly basis in FanDuel play, so I hope they do what they do uh, this evening. And then I go with Junus Corpusalo in the Nets against Montreal columbus at home against the canadians team that must be reeling with the recent injury news so i take advantage of that plugging him into the situation so aj that's my group uh, how does yours shake up tonight yeah so i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go a heavy boston stack and now there are a couple uh considerations in my lineup tonight uh things could change as as injuries warrant so i will uh if necessary i'll tweet and uh, tweet out an updated lineup later tonight but for the time being Assuming Bergeron's going to play, he's a game time call. I'm I'm confident that that means he'll play, but we shall see. 7,800 for Patrice Bergeron is my top center, and I will pay up for the whole first line. David Pasternak at 9,000, Brad Marchand at 82. Uh, that's a lot of dough to be forking over for uh, one line, uh, and I keep spending. When you look, I'll pair up Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 6,400, uh, Edmonton playing San Jose tonight. Uh, and then uh, James Neal on the other side, 5,500. I, I think uh, that pairing those guys up is a good combo, uh, kind of one-two there. And I think they can uh, maybe get uh, sneak some goals in tonight against San Jose. So basically, I've I've blown all 
of my money at this point. So I had to find some, some really depth guys here. Uh, so I'm going to go with Nash, uh, for the blue jackets. He's coming in at just 3000. I mentioned because Pierre Luc Dubois got bumped down. Nash is playing on that second line. And so an increased role for him, I think is a, a good opportunity to u- utilize him tonight. Uh, I like John Marino. You heard me talk about him uh, at length when we hit Pittsburgh. He's 3,500, has been picking up some uh, some assists lately, and so a good value play there. And then Ethan Bear for, for Edmonton, another kind of depth guy. He's playing uh, in their first pairing uh, and as you know, getting power play looks as well. Picked up a goal in his most recent outing uh, and actually has three points in his last four games. So a steal, I think, if he can continue to produce at 3,600. And then for now, I'm going to use Philip Grubauer uh, in the Nets tonight against Calgary at 8,000, assuming he plays. Again, that that could certainly change. But when you look at the team uh, scoring, you know, team stats for the year, the team with the lowest goals for or one of the lowest goals for per game is the Calgary Flames. Uh, They're only averaging 2.52 goals per game. They're still getting over 30 shots a night. And so I like that kind of combination. They'll put pucks on net, not uh, put them on net. That's not necessarily in the net. Uh, And so I think Grubauer, if he's playing tonight, is a good option. Well, AJ, that wraps up this episode, but I can't leave it without uh, saying that our dollar bet's in place, and I'm going to tweet it out later in maybe a poll format to see what our listeners think about which side of the equation they they would land on, but it's straight up between us, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Toronto Maple Leafs, total points in the standings. Right now, you have the early advantage, and maybe that's why I sucked you in, or was this a sucker bet on my part? That remains to be seen. (laughs) I think it's a sucker bet on your part. Uh, I think the wheels are coming off in Toronto. Uh, unfortunately, I think Mike Babcock is going to take the, the heat and the blame. Uh, and I think you're on to something. I don't know that he finishes out the season behind the bench there. Yeah, I think that will be a terrible move. I think the guy that's responsible is the architect, Kyle Dubas. And I'll have much more to say about that on my Twitter feed. And you might want to follow that. Uh, that wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode will take place a week from today on next Tuesday. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 